Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, we, I think it was just last week, wasn't it? We talked about the mortality gap. It was just so striking what was happening in the United States of America and how people were not living as long as they were before. Now there's something, and this this information really struck me, it is a men's health crisis. And there was a piece in the Washington Post, and it went through bit by bit by bit the kind of ways that men are not living as long. It is overwhelming. Derek Griffin is joining us live, a professor, health management and policy and Department of Oncology at Georgetown University, also chair of Global Action on Men's Health, which brings him to this topic. Derek Griffith, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. What a story here. You know, we knew I was we were reminded that uh, during the COVID outbreak that men were getting it. And I think they were a bit more likely to die. We always knew. I I remember my mother teasing my father that men die before women. But this Mm -hmm. new amalgamation of men's longevity is something that I wasn't prepared for. Derek, just how different is the modern man's lifetime compared to a woman right now? Well, let me start by saying this. This isn't really a new phenomenon. So it's interesting that it's, I'm actually sort of struck by this getting this much attention. Um, oh, really? We've known, this is this has actually been a 20th century phenomenon. This difference between men and women really didn't exist in 1900, and it actually grew over the last 120 years. So part of the question that we've had is why have all of the technological advances that we've seen not equally advantaged men and women in terms of their health and well-being because the the gaps have actually grown from about two years to now that you're seeing the number i think in the in the post piece was like 5.9 years in the united states and that's not a unique thing to the united states men have a higher rate of premature mortality or dying before the age of 60 or 70 in most countries in the world and have a shorter life expectancy than women in most countries of the world so it's not really a u.s phenomena in that way, and it's not a new phenomenon, it's just that we're starting to now pay more attention to it. All right, let's go through it, and then we'll talk about how it happens and how we're reacting to it. I mean, I, whatever, I mean, I cover health, and there's always been kind of a a feeling that women's health issues are not getting attention. But I was just really gobsmacked, if I'm being used that, on these kind of numbers. <laughs> so let's go through some of the ways that men are dying before women. And, and what areas here? We know heart disease. Do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown, paint a picture for us here? Well, the, the, the easiest way I can say it is if you look at the 15 leading causes of death in the United States, uh, men and women are roughly are essentially dying of the same things. It's just that di- men die at higher rates of 13 of the 15 of those. So the only things for which women die at higher rates when you age adjust or look at you consider age in this factor uh, women die at higher rates of accidents and uh, chronic lower respiratory diseases like COPD, asthma, and so forth. But for everything else, heart disease, cancer, COVID, stroke, Alzheimer's, you name it, you know, um, men die at, at higher rates. Um, so, again, this, is, this has been a consistent pattern. It's just it's something that has not really taken 
has not been a priority in public health because men aren't advantaged, aren't disadvantaged in our society. No, they are. But this is, I mean, even when it comes to pedestrian deaths, motor vehicle crashes, suicide, it one thing after another. So, you know, it it is, let me just ask you, why? Why is, why are the rates so much higher, Derek? Well, I don't know that we know. I think we've tried to Mm -hmm. look at this. One of the things that that we've tried to do that I think is part of the reason that the problem has persisted is we've tried to look at this more from a biological standpoint than from a a more holistic standpoint. So we've tried to look at uh, both men and women's health through much more of looking at what are biological factors associated with sex, um, hormones, and, and those kinds of factors that are really specific to the biology. What we're actually finding is that men and women, and actually those who don't fit the gender binary, all benefit from is looking at this through the lens of gender and other social factors that intersect with gender. And that's where we're actually missing, and that's what we're trying to do in this work now, is bring attention to that. Because those factors, we know that as we look at a broad range of things, it's really the things that happen outside of the doctor's office that are really driving poor health and well-being. And so we really have to look at those kinds of factors. I'm sorry. I'm seeing here, too, I mean, hormonal biology. Is there a chance that nature just made made guys more susceptible to death here? Is is this just built in? Nature, nurture, old question there. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think if the numbers hadn't changed so dramatically over the course of, that's why I sort of was highlighting the time part. If yeah. the numbers hadn't changed so dramatically over this 100-plus year time period, then, then I would say yes. But the, if, they were, if it was really about biology, then bio, men, you know, nobody's biology changes you know, by a population doesn't change that fast. So it's got to be something else that's happening that, leads, that contributes to this. And the only things that are happening are things outside of it's more of the nurture than the nature, to use your It is. Well, I want to get into the nurture. I just want to stay with the nature, though. There's always been a difference, isn't there, between testosterone, estrogen. We know women are protected from heart attacks, then they reach menopause, then they're not protected from heart attacks. How much, though, Mm -hmm. those hormones do dictate how the two genders react to stuff? So there definitely are, are those kind of biological factors. I mean, we know one of the reasons that men did die of COVID, for example, at higher rates than women is because women's immune response tends to be uh, stronger generally than men's. And it is because of the biology, the, the immune response is really driven by the X hormone versus the Y and so forth. And women have XX, men have an XY. And so you have essentially double the immune response. So you have those kind of factors that definitely play a part, for sure. All right. I just want to go through a little bit more on this list because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't know men died of cancer at such a high rate over women. I mean, are these significant amounts in your opinion here? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, again, it's not to say this is not an effort to take attention and resources away from women's health. No. By no means do we want to do that. We want to make sure that women are still healthy. We need, we need to continue to invest in advanced work like the Office of Women's Health at the federal level. Like all of that work needs to continue. This is simply saying this is not a zero-sum game. We need to also look at men's health as well. 
So the main le- the leading cause of death, for example, for men in terms of cancer is lung cancer, but we tend to actually focus much more on there's more investment seemingly in uh, breast cancer and even in men really in prostate cancer. And so we really haven't looked at lung cancer through a gendered lens. And why is it that, and what can we do about the fact that, you know, um, lung cancer is clearly still driven largely by smoking and tobacco utilization. Um, so how do we need to look at tobacco use um, and those kind of factors through that gendered lens? What are the things that we're not considering by just looking at it either through biology or just looking at it through a lens that doesn't consider gender. Derek, I want to ask you, we do nature, nurture. Let's let's go into nurture, which you think is part of it. Women tend to go to the doctor more. And I there was a discussion, I guess, that maybe women hog healthcare services. Is it the opposite, that men don't do it enough? What do you think? So this has always been a rather contentious sort of thing. And actually, one of the things I think I mentioned in that piece is the initial thought when men, when we've typically, we've utilized males and male bodies as the standard. And so women were, when we compared women to that, the initial thought years ago was that women were overutilizing services. And since that time, we've actually realized, well, actually women were utilizing services at least better than men or more appropriately than men. Um, because men weren't going for preventive care. The real difference in terms of healthcare utilization between men and women is really in preventive care, well-person visits, and so forth. Women don't go to the doctor as much as they should when they are symptomatic. I mean, if you think about busy women, women who have careers, women who have other responsibilities and so forth, they're more likely to continue to tough it out and you know, not go to the doctor Mm -hmm. if they are mildly symptomatic any more necessary than men. It's just that men will or don't have a regular sort of place of checking in to to make sure that they actually, a regular time that they're actually, you know, at least checking in with the doctor to see those things that they can't feel and tell by themselves. And then we look at that, how how much would this play into it? Let's look at depression. It gets a lot of attention. You know, men don't talk about it. Uh, now they are, but is that, I mean, we're calling this a silent crisis. Have we even looked enough at depression here? We definitely have not. And I think one of the things, so again, this is another one of those really contentious issues. Women are diagnosed with depression at twice the rate of men, but mm-hmm. because of the high rates of substance use, um, dying by suicide and so forth, there's always been a question about whether or not men are underdiagnosed with depression. And it seems that way. And if you look at a lot of the symptoms of depression, one of the things that we studied years ago, and colleague, myself and some colleagues, um, Lisa Martin was the lead author on the paper that I'm referring to. We looked at depression symptoms. And when you incorporate those that clinicians um, note, like irritability, anger outbursts, and include things even like substance use in there, that are not typical symptoms of depression. Usually you think of depression as sadness, depressed mood weight loss or or significant weight gain, sleep, you know, insomnia and so forth. When you include those other factors, the gender difference actually goes away. And both men and women are actually diagnosed with depression at roughly equal rates. Now, that's not part of the, the typical way of diagnosing depression, but it is the way that clinicians tend to look at it. 
the point here is that men are severely underdiagnosed with depression, and we don't tend to recognize it. They don't tend to recognize it. We don't tend to recognize it in ourselves. And others, when they go into the healthcare system or even loved ones, don't tend to recognize it as depression. They will usually refer to it as something else. And men are more likely to externalize and engage in behaviors um, like risky sexual behavior, substance use, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things to numb themselves of dealing with the feelings and so forth so that they can continue to focus on things that they do feel valued for, like working, contributing financially to a household and so forth, then they are necessarily valued for taking care of their own health and well-being. There we go. This is such a, a revolutionary bit of information for a lot of people. Is there a, a gap in, are we, are we empathetic enough to men? You know, I'm, I'm a woman here, but we're, are we, do we offer that empathy or does the empathy go to women here? We, we're always trying to scrutinize our biases. Is there one here in your opinion? Um, I, I- I'm hesitant to go there. I mean, I, I think it's, it's under 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 recognized and underappreciated. I know some men will react to feeling like they're, um, you know, it, it kind of ends up being a catch twenty two. Like some men will not like the idea of being vulnerable, of being you know seen as needing that kind of assistance. So by labeling them as needing more empathy and so forth, that they will on you know sometimes may paradoxically sort of turn away from the system as opposed to, you know, sort of leaning into the strengths and so forth that they're sort of thinking. But the spirit of what you're saying, yes, that we don't tend to recognize it, pay enough attention to it, or even recognize the fact that, again, these ideas and ideals that men have about how they should prioritize their health versus other things in their lives is not something that just men are the ones who are responsible for promoting. The women in their lives are also endorsing, supporting these norms and expectations in men, too. You know, the whole thing of yeah. boys, when they fall and, you know, yeah. they tell them to get up. It's not just the males that are telling them to get up. It's also women in their lives that are telling them the same thing. You know, so we, we yeah. don't have the same <laughs> appreciation for men to take care of themselves because we tend to value men more for their roles in um, or we still have, despite all the changes that have happened in our society in terms of gender roles, norms, and expectations, there still tends to be a linking for a lot of men in terms of their financial roles or what they contribute financially to a household as having deeper meaning to them and their identity than necessary than sometimes what it does for women. Because again, all not right. trying to, but it, it is recognizing that that has when men are not fulfilling those roles it's usually a they see it we see it sometimes as a reflection of our character as a reflection of our integrity if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites and if you like what you hear leave us a review and tell a friend i'm roy green have a great weekend